Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Crowd pop for Harvey. Five stars. What a what a man! Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown. It's the 30th of December, the year of our Lord, 1999. For the fifth week in a row, the world is not enough. This is the number one box office in the UK, just like Bond. It's unstoppable because there's no God. Westlife's I Have a Dream slash Seasons in the Sun double A side is still number one. And just to double down on the whole no god theory, Shen Mew is oh, the most overrated Shen video Mew. game of all time. You shut your mouth. Have you actually played it? Yes! For how long? Uh, about, well... Ten minutes? No, I played it for a full day. But then I had to I had to get home before midnight, otherwise my mum would be angry. So then I played it for another full day after. That's a Shenmue joke. Da, da, da. Thank you very much. I enjoyed Shenmue. It felt like it felt like a proper sandbox game. I like somebody that never had sandbox. a sandbox. <laughs> oh. It was it was one of my favourite games where nothing happens, and nothing does happen in Shenmue. And that's why I fall in love with it because it's just like pot around the house. Get told off by your mum for being home late. You've got a Dreamcast. You can basically spend all your money. Like I just the one day, me and my brother, I seem to remember us playing Shenmue on my Dreamcast, just dying laughing because we stood there for about ten minutes in real time, just buying drinks out of the vending machine and just drinking Coke. Oh, I guess games like Yakuza have uh, perfected that formula. But at the time, I was not into this mega hyped, the Godfather of video games, and you played it, you go. This isn't even the good father. <laughs> it was the day the snow turned to rain and Shenmue came out and everybody was sad. But enough about sailors. Somewhere in America, there was a little show named Smackdown about to have its last show of the year of our Lord, oh, I was going to say. But was it the last show ever? <laughs> was this the straw that broke the camel's back? <laughs> Is Smackdown still on the air? <laughs> Well, Tom, stop making that noise. Never. Oh, okay. The answers to all these questions and more, stupid bits of discussion, can only be found here at the Cultaholic Classic Smackdown Review. The voice you're listening to right now is Matthew, and the guy who loves Shenmue is Mr. Tom Campbell. Perhaps they're out. A Perhaps bird. they're out. A blackbird. <laughs> no, you idiot. A cat. <laughs> hey, mister, let's play. <laughs> Get in trouble for that. How are you, Matt? I'm great, hey, thank you. Thank you, very happy to be doing this. Uh, it's a shame that after last time's amazing sound quality with the <laughs> new equipment, we are now having uh, your older brother's cast-offs. No one's gonna notice, it's all fine. 
It's all fine. I mean, of course it is. What are you talking about, Tom? Exactly. How would you even bring this up on a quality show? I, I am... Uh, I'm finally getting better. Oh, I'm, good. You have been nailed for some time. Basically, in, I've just, I think turning 36, my hobby has just become being ill. That's kind of all I've had since I turned 36. I've had numerous different illnesses to fight off. And... Uh, and a, a cough that basically, I believe, uh, my girlfriend said, uh, sounded like the world ending. Uh, genuinely last night, uh, behind the curtains. I've had this, normally once I've had a cold, I have the cold or the flu, I have this cough that just hangs around for a couple of days. It's a bit like, uh, a bit like an uncle at Christmas. And um, and this cough which is just basically just getting all the horrible guff off, the, off of my lungs and my chest. And... Uh, my girlfriend genuinely said three times last night I thought you were dying <laughs> because I would just have these coughing fits where like everything was coming up oh. and uh, and so we both had a terrible night's sleep and I just feel like I if I have a bad night's sleep like there's a bit annoying what happens is if I'm not well or if I'm restless I'll go into the spare room because I'm thinking well look I, there's no point me ruining two people's night's sleep I'll just ruin my own and then Alex can sleep and uh, even though I did the whole, I'm going to go into the next room because I'm just quietly dying. I'll go and die so you can have a nice kip. You've got to be up early. Uh, still have a bad night's sleep. And, and I feel guilt on top of ill uh, for it. But <clears throat> the annoying thing is, like, I feel fine in myself. It's just this cough that's just lingering around. Yeah. Uh, but how are you, more importantly? Enough about me banging on. Oh, but people care about you, Tom. And yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> they very much do. All right, you know what? I'm like, I care about you. Thanks, mate. And screw other people. And we I'm have the same great. T-shirt, by the way. I'm wearing a Cuphead shirt because of the time of this, because my PC decided, you know, nuts to this. You can stay, but I'm leaving. Oh, um, mate. In between, you know, getting everything off the PC to the external hard drive, so everything's backed up, so everything's okay. I've just been paid cuphead. <laughs> Is that your de-stress game? Yeah, because you get I get myself in such a fit where I can't get the A plus grade because I got hit once or something. And then you do it, you're like, yes, I am invincible, like Boris from Gold Knight. Seconds before death. But yes, I'm fine, and I relate to your your <coughs> not necessarily your being ill, because I'm actually fine right now, mm. but the 30s is an interesting time for your body for people who aren't uber fit or athletic. Yeah. Because now I go to the gym and do cycle stuff and all this stuff just to stay uh, healthy. On the right side. <laughs> Not athletic, ooh, I'm going to wrestle WrestleMania type healthy, but just to avoid illness healthy. Yeah. That is my motivation. So people go, you don't look like you go to the gym. I go, but I feel like I do. I feel like you do, yeah. And you know who else feels like they go to the gym? Wrestlers. <laughs> On the last Smackdown of 1999, as we get ready for the Year of Our Lord 2000, the sequel, to the year of our Lord 1999. What was happening in the wrestling world, Tom? According, uh, to uh, according to Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer, before we get into SmackDown this week, we like to go through um, uh, some of the notes from SmackDown. Sorry, this is a very wonky. Sorry, I just put my, my elbow down to lean to listen, and it it, it, it goes down. Yeah, yeah, I'm just not going to touch the table. I think it's probably easier that way. I think. Sorry. Okay, this one's alright. Okay. Yeah, okay. Cut. So, Please carry on, Tom. Preliminary figures indicate that Starcade was a gigantic disappointment. Oh no, where's the sound There I'll just press Tom in the belly. <laughs> uh, drawing in 0.3 to 0.4 on the buy rate. Pretty and depressing number. This is their WrestleMania for WCW. And this is 99. This is 99. This 2000, is the, the buy rates were like, ludicrously low. This is what's amazing about this time in wrestling because there is not a point in wrestling where the, the product is as hot as it's been. 
Like wrestling is very much like pop culture at this point. And WWF is just running away with it. Whereas WCW, which isn't, which, you know, to the untrained eye, isn't a massively dissimilar product to the untrained eye. But it's tanking. Like no one cares. And a lot of the stuff they're doing isn't even that bad. I mean, a lot of it is bad, but it's certainly not appalling. You know, companies have got away. WWF have put on worse shows and done better buys. Um, but yeah, this is a really tough time for WCW. This was their mm. big show to end the year, um, a big feud and a big marquee match to end the year. They thought would see the millennium off well, and no, no chance, Sundance. Mm. Uh, a a, a major backstage force is about to quit the company is it it's not a massive name but it's somebody oh. who has been a part of the uh, the product for, for a fair while backstage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's not Russo but he would take time off soon anyway soon but, yeah but I think it was due to a different he wasn't fired oh no he was asked to go but that's, that's later on because I saw that I remember now uh, no I don't know who it is that would be alternative rock star and member of the booking committee oh. Bob Mould the silence yes. between us is the time that I can hear the thoughts what's on your mind yeah it's one of the craziest things that none of people talk about is that guy was was, was the WCW for a bit yeah the man that brought us the District Line album yeah. was on the booking committee for yeah. WCW not for long he's on his way out it's um, like hearing Patrice O'Neill briefly contributed to WWF ain't that uh, just the way maybe around this oh, I think around now <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, he's he's only spoke a bit briefly in a, on a podcasts and things like but that. Patrice O'Neill was a girl lady. No, think about Patrice O'Neill uh, was a dude. He was saying, a "Very that, famous." He was no. saying, "Ain't that just the way?" No, no, no. No, we're thinking about two completely different people. You're not thinking of Patrice Rushton, are you? Or am I thinking of Patrice Rushton? You are thinking of Patrice Rushton. I assure you, Patrice O'Neill was a man. Oh no! No, it. sorry, he wasn't a musician. It's just funny that this guy, who I would never associate with wrestling, was contributing. Briefly, he's part of the big writing team. <laughs> yes, you too. Thomas right. just Googled who uh, Teresa O'Neill is. Uh, very funny, very funny guy. None of which I can repeat here on the Family Friendly Podcast. But yes, it's who? just weird you get these random people. You go, wait, you, you who sang the word? Who, who sang what? I'm... Go on, Tom. I'm thinking, Tom of, I'm thinking of Nutrition McNeil. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that just the way that life goes down, 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 that, down. That's what they thought when they signed him. Like, oh. where, are you Nutrition's manager? Was this a John Laurinaitis hiring again? Uh, oh, you said, you said Patrice Manil. No, I got Nutrition. Oh, no, I've hired the junior division. That's another story for another time. What was the other one that I found out recently? That they're wondering if they're going to put in the Ruthless Aggression series or not. The Rock wasn't uh, renewed or re-signed, whatever, in 2002. He was wait because he was waiting for a contract extension what? from John Lightis. That never never got sent. He went, oh, all right, <laughs> guess I'm done for a bit. Wow! So he did films for a bit longer. How did Lauren Lightis get sacked, bumbling buffoon? <laughs> it's only The Rock. Jesus, I mean, there's only so much pull being the brother of Road Warrior Animal can get you. Jeez, that's terrible. Bob Mould though, 
Yes, sorry. Uh, when really. Russo and Ferreira were hired, uh, his input diminished to almost nothing. He was quite close with Nash until they came in. That's right, and, I remember Nash uh, and him being friendly. He just basically burned out with wrestling, just fell out of love with it, went back to making music. Uh, the most notable idea... Uh, we are told from Bob Mould was on the Starcade pay-per-view he came up with the idea that Sting would have Silly String in the mace bottle to, to prove he wasn't fooled by Elizabeth's turn so do you remember this at Starcade? Oh okay yeah yeah. so when um, when Elizabeth yeah. went to turn on Sting and spray the mace it was Silly String so it was a it was a double whammy it was a double screw job and that was Bob Mould's idea okay you know what that, that at least that was built up from something mm. but so wait a minute when he uh, did that thing with the silly string, I believe a sound effect played at the same time. Did he? Y- yeah. <laughs> there you go, there's the award room in chemistry. What else is in the news, Tom? Perry Satin was on the law. Do you remember the law? This is the law. Live audio wrestling. Oh, live audio wrestling. Oh, I've never called it. Heard it be called the law. It was in the, all the, in the jingle at the start. This is the law. The law, the law. When I was listening to it, it was. When it was. When I was downloading it on my dial-up modem. Look, there's only two reasons I hear that. One is Anthrax, and the other is Judge Dredd. So, all due respect to LAW. This is the law with Jeff Merrick and Dan the Mouth Nebransky. What a time to be alive. Perry Satin called which WCW star overrated on the law? They are overrated, and they've been doing the same match for 10 years. They, this oh, person, said, oh, there's a multiple. Harry Satin right. said, Who uh, people used to say about flair quite a bit? Close, it was Sting Satin having a pop at Sting because of reasons. Wow, I don't know why. Uh, I mean, got, it's true, but got him a lot of heat backstage at WCW. Um, well, I think Perry was late, so all right. Oh. Got plans. And uh, here's a little uh, fun historical footnote. It was on this particular week in professional wrestling uh, that Ric Flair's youngest daughter, Ashley, made the cheerleading All-American team in her age group in a competition in Nashville. Oh, that's nice. I wonder what she'd go on to do. Near clue. Ah, so there's a little dance around the wrestling world that's uh, as we wrap up the, wrap up the millennium. Yes. End of the millennium. Well, technically that's 01, but I am like you. I go, no, that number different to that number. I, there are people that do argue that the millennium begins at 01, surely. Yeah, well. Well, they are, but we don't listen to them because it's way easier. I know. 2000 sounds way new, fresh and cool. Uh, LOD 2000. Exactly. Techno Team 2000. Harlem Heat 2000. Let's all meet up in the year 2000. I was, about, I was just about to do that one. But before then... Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Still in the year of our Lord 999. Dramatic recap. And that's what I've typed in capital letters. Dramatic recap. Dribblade says, hey, Mick and Rock, this place ain't big enough for the both of us. What a great song there. It's a musical one this week, isn't it? I was going to say, yeah, that Bob Mould would uh, turn on. <laughs> Triple H books Rock versus Triple H on Raw for the first ever pink slip on a pole match. He books the Rock versus Mankind. Oh, yeah! <laughs> the Rock versus Mankind is switched later on. Yeah, you whatever. The fourth gimmick of uh, Mick Foley. Al Snow interferes in the match. 
to help mankind win, but he doesn't want to win that way. So he attacks Al, and Al's like, oh, fine then. Sorry, sorry for caring. So Rock bounces mankind's head off the pole. He takes a hell of a bump here where he falls backwards, his head lands on the apron, and he things backwards. And Rock gets a pink slip. Rock makes it clear that he's disgusted with his actions. He's not happy about the win. Mankind gives a speech, gets a standing ovation from the crowd, and Triple H and the police backstage tell him, why are you still here? You're fired. Oh. Get out. This then, felt very mean at the time. Yeah, this felt big, almost, mm. uh, as we'll get to it later on. Nitro plays, depending on with or without lyrics. Who you ask, it may have lyrics, may not have. Richmond, Virginia is where we are emanating from this week. I have been there. You have? Harrisonburg, Virginia, Richmond, what Virginia. What took you Virginia. there? Uh, Magfest and staying at my friend Bill DeGarlo's place. Oh, do you have a nice time at Bill DeGarlo? I did have a nice time. There's not a lot to do there, so it's nice that they... Got SmackDown this one time. As I just kept them going for that. They still talk about the SmackDown. <laughs> they still talk about it that time. Mm-hmm. Who, did see, who did you see at Magfest? Everybody. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, honestly, it was a period of my life where I got to Magfest every year. The great expense of my bank account, but it was such a good time. I loved it. And it rejuvenated my little life. Oh. That's that's too optimistic. Isn't it? Let's go back to being miserable. Uh, backstage, Triple H and Stepping Man uh, being all kissy kissy. Kane shows up with Tory. And Triple H tries to be a good guy. You remind him, hey, 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 hey I, 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 you owe me one. I gave you Test on Raw. I can't help but feel that Kane is becoming the new Test here. Because Kane seems to every week, like, want blood out of DX. And they always manage to talk him round. And go, hey, man, hey, let's not do that here. And Kane goes, oh, okay. Yeah, and he's easily manipulated. As really we easily manipulated. Yeah. So, look, I give you that favour. I'm going to ask you for a favour, Kane. I'm going to give you The Rock tonight, no holds barred, because we've both seen the way that Rock looks at Tory. In fact, you don't do me, you me a favour, I'm doing you a favour, because, I mean, The Rock just keeps on talking about what he wants to do to Tory. And then Kane does the... Grrr, in agreement, and leaves. And Triple H's like, well, that was easy. <laughs> Kane is an idiot now. Let's yeah, but it's forget. Kane, though, so he's like... They know it's like, oh, it's last. Yeah. My lass. If you don't think like Kane's My an lass. You're very sympathetic to the giant guy that can kill people. It's uh, well done. <laughs> Speaking of unsympathy, though, test with his face mask. Enters the ring to, by God Almighty, a pop. I know, right? People like him now. Don't get a touch. Lillian Garcia then says his opponent's in this handicap match. And Test's like, wait, what? This becomes a theme of the night where Lillian Garcia basically becomes the messenger that nearly gets shot. So I don't know whether this is because they want to... There's too many Triple H Steph segments so they need to cut them down. But yet at the same time, they still want to screw with everybody. Very possible. So I feel like... Because there's a couple of times where Lillian Garcia has to make these really sort of weird expositional announcements. Like, his opponent in this handicap match. And Sparks with... <laughs> yeah. And it's Bossman and Prince Albert. Oh, that's nice. Backstage, Stephanie is watching TV and she says <laughs> what we're all thinking. Man, it's great watching Tess get beat up every week. <laughs> Stephanie, McMahon after my own heart. And <coughs> By this point, Steph has sold the N64. She's, it's just too many bad memories. I think she keeps it just a laugh ago. <laughs> Remember that? Remember when Tess couldn't get past the big tree in Zelda? I was going <laughs> to do, I was gonna do a skit this week. True story. I was going to do a skit where, where Triple H starts playing the N64. But then I watched the Ruthless Aggression documentary and I realised that Triple H is basically every old man ever. 
because there was the bit where they talk about um, the the inclusion of Mark Jindrak. Yeah. And how Triple H was riding in the car, Jin uh, Drack and Orton were just having a laugh behind the like having a bit of a daft laugh uh, in the back seat, and Triple H was like, "Well, I'm going to turn the car around and chuck them out," like because they're not like seriously talking about the best way to apply a headlock for nine <laughs> hours. For God's sake, have a day off, pal. <laughs> Thanks for changing the business for the better. Yeah. But have a day off, pal. That's the exact moment I knew Mark Chindra couldn't make it. This is, it's a funny business, isn't it? It's so weird. It's just one of them things where if your face doesn't fit the bill, like there is nothing you can do. I think just later on say, I've only seen uh, highlights and read the reviews, that they'd already decided on Batista, but Vince said, oh, well, Batista's injured right now, so try Jindrak. And Troy's like, no. Mm. no. What are you talking about? No. And they're like, no, 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 just do some stuff with him. So I think at that point the setup was like, I don't want this dude. It's like when somebody offers you a chippy tea and then instead they go, oh, actually, no, I'm going to make a vegetable casserole. No, no, you've, you've, you've goaded me with something I really want that's, that's, that's tasty. And I don't want that. Like, I don't care if that's better for me. I don't care if that's ready now. I want that instead. Bro, Bret Hart can't make it tonight or any night. New champion, Tank ever. That is not what I wanted, me. Anyway, we'll get that later Hear on. me out, bro. The history of Sold Out 2000 is one of the most entertaining car crashes. But that's next week. Two weeks, three weeks, whatever. It's coming up, mate. It's coming up. It's dead. Imagine if Pololic takes off in a big way and we're doing Nitro. No, wait. We can't do... No, you and Justin will do Nitro. I mean, you do do Thunder. Oh, man. Speaking of Thunder, Bossman takes Testy outside with thunderous right hand. And grabs his face mask. At this point, I'm sure you should mention that he's wearing the big old thing because his nose is just broken on a regular basis. Undertaker got a Phantom of the Opera-esque mask. Yeah. Like, Test has just got something they found in Lost Property. Like, just, just put mm. that on there, be real, be real. Yeah, but that seems to be the more normal face mask to wear because Scott Steiner, when he had that match with Goldberg at Four Brawl mm. next year, and one of the best matches WWE ever put out that year, by the way, yeah, had to wear that because he knew it was going to be a full-on matching as well. Steiner. Oh. I ain't no coward. That's and it looks pretty much like this. So like, but the point is, Bossman grabs that, takes him outside, and holds his face, all going, bah, 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 bah. and I'm not sure if he's trying to do the baseball thing where they go, hey, but to me, not being a baseball dude, it just sounded like Bossman was going, bah, 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 bah. that was a weird moment. Wasn't sure about that myself. I loved it. And I want a Bossman test feud. So, something where he steals his nose. He feeds a mitt, buries it, gives it eulogy. <laughs> Albert and Test, Katina Wrestling and the future TNA, completely fudge up a pump handle, whatever. Uh, but it doesn't matter because Albert gives him the scissors kick after Bossman runs in as a bugger. And we get Prince Albert winning a match, and because he wins it, we hit Albert's music. And by that I mean Droz's old theme. Yeah, that was so, strange. <laughs> Yeah, it's always funny when we you get that music that you've inherited from someone. And go, that, that's oh, that's Albert's theme. I'm like people like me. I think you find that Strauss's theme. <laughs> that's mine now. I'll have you know. Uh, backstage, Triple H comments on Steffi. This is a, such a weird bit. And I want to get your intake on this. Triple okay. Uh, Triple H comments on Steffi Man. New sexy outfit. God, she looks good. <coughs> She's wearing a blue shirt and tie. 
looks at Has he dressed her like mankind? <laughs> what is this saying? Like what is this saying, Tom? My hated rival is defeated and vanquished. Come, sexy wife, I'm gonna dress you up as him. There is okay, it it's does like a screw Well it does it does suggest there is that fine line in most relationships between hate and sexual tension. Yes. A lot of the times when people really hate each other, there is a deep underlying sexual tension there that, that is bo- either born before or as a result of that hatred. So we can read into this that Triple H literally wants to have sex with mankind because he hates him that much. So, But he's sacked mankind, and plus he's on television and he has to keep up appearances. So the best thing he can do is dress his wife like mankind. Oh, it's a bit deep. He needs to see a psychiatrist. You know that bit that we put on the network uh, where John Cena's first match, SmackDown, he gets the mic and goes to Kurt Angle. Sexual aggression. (laughs) (coughs) It's sexual aggression, baby. Uh, So we're going to assume that if Triple H was feuding with Kane right now, Steph would be wearing a mask. (laughs) Hey, Steph, you're looking hot. And he's just like... All red leotard, red yeah. mask on. What you Thank me? you, husband. What do you want me to say in bed? Can you just grunt? Can you set the bedposts on fire? Speaking of which, uh, May Young and Fabulous Moolah oh, God. have been summoned, um, like Bayomoff, after <laughs> clips show on Raw, they got in a fight with someone at a cafe with their uh, sexual date with Mark Henry. And... For some reason, I've written here Henry Sex and Pancakes. Like I guess. Ah, oh, Sex and Pancakes. Like I guess that was supposed to be the name of the cafe. And I've ruined it. <laughs> but anyway, Steph. <coughs> Steph is not happy with these two fighting, fighting fans at the uh, Sex and Pancake Emporium. So they will be resting tonight. The Hollies. I'm looking forward to this episode. I'm so happy. Christ, it is, and it's a, and it's certainly a sight to behold. May Young and Moolah versus the Hollies. And yes. Jerry Lawler's laughing Jerry Lawler going to be The best six-man tag team. Uh, <sighs> May Young, Fabulous Moolah, and Jerry Lawler on commentary. Oh, my God. Classic Mick Foley. This is a recurring bit throughout the episode for filler. Uh, well, you say for filler, but um, what this really is, is planting seeds. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. But mm. the first clip is from the sit-down interview with Jim Ross from 97, I believe. And Mankind reminisces over seeing Jimmy Snooker's jump off the cage in, um, oh Christ, it's 83? Oh, I can pretend like I know that area of wrestling. But that was the show that Tommy Dreamer and Bubba Dudley were both at. <coughs> Did they Bubba hit Mike Whitney, Foley? No, that's the thing. Bubba Dudley says, I was there too, but they got all the glory. <laughs> and that, I remember how good those interviews were with Jim Ross. They it was him and great. Goldust. They had a bunch of them on Raw. And God, they were great. But whenever they have them now on Raw, it's always done with like those guys who aren't getting cheered as much as they wanted to be cheered. Whereas these were like, wow, we're gonna make some really cool, interesting characters, like see Goldust and Mankind. Now it's Lacey Evans, tell us about your kids. I'm like, it's, oh. It's, now it's a device mm. uh, for, for, for a different purpose. Absolutely, and uh, your lip is bleeding by the way. I hope you're all right, Tom. Is it really? Just chap lips. Fun fact, my lips currently bleeding. Classic Tom Campbell. That is standard Tom, that is. Lip bleeding everywhere. Yeah. And we get Tom Campbell's debut in WF96, where he showed up to feud with Undertaker. 
Oh, was that me? Yeah. Oh, get in. He's like showing an order for some reason, but whatever. And yeah, that was that was a thing. What watching mankind show up after some Survivor Series '96, and I'm just like going, mankind. What the hell kind of name is that? That's all we, of mankind? Like, what do you mean? Well, that was the whole fun of the name, wasn't it? Right, but to a kid, like, it's like, oh, his name is Mankind? I, wow, all right. And he showed up with a mask, and he's going, rah, rah. I was like, what the hell is this? I like when um, somebody suggests something, <laughs> to, something to Vince. Bless you. I like it when somebody, somebody suggests something to Vince, and he doesn't quite get it. Mm. So he twists it to make it more palatable for him. So obviously mankind was pitched to him because of the play on things like, oh, I can say I'm doing this for all mankind. Mankind mm. is in pain. Mankind is in agony. He says, I like it. You'll be mankind. Mankind the mutilator. No, no. <laughs> the mutilator bit we don't need. The mutilator because you mutilate people. Ha ha ha. I only know comedy when it's literally <laughs> on the nose. Listen to, to any of his commentary from 1994, and you know, Vincent Mann <laughs> literally does not have a subtle bone in his body. Mankind Jindrak. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be perfect for evolution. Backstage, Al Snow is talking to the Faction, and he's very happy Mankind is out, seeing as his friend turned on him when he was only trying to help him. He's like, it's a fair point. Triple H seems disgusted with Al Snow. Basically, he stepped up and gone, well, Mick's gone. Can I take his place? My spot. He wants yeah. his spot. I mean, I don't really know. Not my spot. Not any spot. My spot. Not a dog named Spot. Not a liver ah. spot. But my spot. I wrote, is this a dig at the arm, Mr. Perfect? Yes. Bit. Yes, that was what that was. Yeah, I want his spot. And he said, well, you can my have... Spot. My spot. My that, spot. That bit, by the way, in case people don't know, that's a very famous bit that happened on Nitro. It's famous for good and bad reasons. Um... Arna decided that no, his career was done and he was retiring, so he was giving Mr. Perfect his spot in the horseman. And it's a an amazing promo which mm. beat Raw on the ratings, that one single bit, it trounced it, because it was like, wait, whoa. And then the next week the horseman took the piss out of it. In one of the funniest parodies you'll ever see. Not bad spot. Not bad spot. But very then, rarely does wrestling do parody well. Yeah. It's done very well. Except for the fact that a bunch of things happened. One the horsemen didn't do anything immediately afterwards. They didn't come down and start a brawl or anything. Just did the segment. And then two, they lost the blow-off. They got parodied and humiliated. And then they lost. That was the funniest part was they wanted... Bischoff wanted uh, the horsemen to go out later that night and do something. And they're like, are you going to... Do you seriously believe that we have to be here, not react to that, right. and then go out and do something completely different? And that's fine. God, it was a weird time, WCW. It was crazy, but it's funny in hindsight, like the interview, at least it's like, you held us back and you did all this. And like, hang on, you put over nobody but exactly. DDP. Anyway, anyway, we digress. <laughs> so, where were we at? Oh yeah, Al Snow on the spot. Al Snow wants Mick Foley's yeah. spot. So, Trix is so disgusted with Al, even though he's done nothing to help him. It's, it's, it's a very nice dynamic here, the storytelling's like, like, oh, really? It was, all right, well, if Mick Foley was here, Al Snow, he'd take out Jeff Hardy tonight. And then if he does, he'd get a bonus. And then Al is thrilled that he's taking Nick's spot. It's my spot. It's my spot. And it's great seeing... There's probably other better examples. Maybe see 300, the film? Yes. There's that one hunchback dude who shows up and he sells out to to Xerxes. That's what I mean. Yes. Yeah. But even Xerxes is like, oh, like I'll take your help, but I'm, even I'm... Oof, look at you. Stay to you. Tukul Rikishi arrive as a team to a giant pop. 
We are officially here. Yeah, this is it now, isn't it? Yeah. This is it now. We even get the dance at the very beginning. Yeah. Is there only one thing? I should say yeah. Two cool short, and they dance before the match. There's only one thing left to happen. We lose the far two. I believe next week or the week after, we lose the far two. Oh. See, this is it. Like, like WWF slash WWE has a history of deleting surnames longer than recent memory. Because mm-hmm. obviously he was in as Rikishi far two. In the next few weeks, he'll just be Rikishi. Vince will go get rid of the far two bit. Don't yeah. need it. Just be Rikishi, which, is, which makes sense. Well, in some ways it does because. Actually, I can't think of any positive reasons, but I'm confused as to why they do this. When Rikishi is a term, it's the title, whatever, in sumo. So was Yakuza. Yaku- yes. So it should have been Yakuza. Yakuza. Idiot. Yakuza. Yokozuna Anoi or whatever. Oh, whatever. <sighs> Move on. I think I've lost the bat. I'm Matthew's corner. Throw it in the towel. Like John Day Wilder. Moving on. No, but I don't think they're worried about that. I, I think, like, obviously in other... In another country, Rikishi and Yokozuna are our terminology, our mm. bits of the language, but not in America, so that doesn't count. Oh, that's right. Only America counts, silly me. Exactly. Anyway, two cool dance before the match, and we get to hear the sound of Michael Cole yelling, they're getting jiggy with it. No, 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 don't ever say that. Anyway, it's a singles match with Rikishi taking on Kurt Angle. And camera zooms in on Rikishi's arse while he makes his little uh, David Starr-esque entrance, the only great Olympian, the only blah, blah, blah. And Lola gets a line, look at that, more ripples than a golf ball. Jeez. And he also follows up with, if I had a son, I want him to grow up to be just like Kurt Angle. And if he had a daughter, he'd have sex with her. Steve Blackman is Woo! here with a very short-lived WF license shirt that I don't remember that has no guns, no knives in the front. And a guillotine on the back. Presumably, he had all those guillotines during those great South African gang wars he was involved in. We have and some more Lillian Garcia exposition as well at this point. What does she say, Tom? And now, to be handcuffed to the ring post, Steve Blackman. Yes. So Blackman is here, locked at ringside. Steph doesn't seem to realise this. It's like, wait, who added this? Oh, I did. Because a little dynamic here. Steph's been using Steve Blackman as a weapon to help Angle. But Triple H is like, I don't want this. Mm. Steph's trying to be like, oh, 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 really? Did that help Angle? <laughs> and this gets a bit silly in a very quick match. I don't think it even goes a minute. Second to the match, after Angle does some stuff, Blackman unhandcuffs himself, twats Rikishi with the stick while the referee's distracted, then re-handcuffs himself, and a quick wing for Angle. Triple H, hey, where did you get that key from? Stephanie, I have no idea. I don't <laughs> I think it was very well done. A lot of stuff told in maybe a two-minute segment. Yeah, you didn't need. In to a minute and a half of that was the entrance and dance. You didn't need much more of that. Like, yeah, and and it's one of those things where Rikishi doesn't lose from losing because yeah. he clearly got screwed over. And this is a wonderful use of all these different characters and stuff. But it isn't just Steph and Triple H going, "We're proper evil." We are. There's the Al Snow bit where he's been a dick, but like, okay, we don't really care for you. You're not part DX. And there's also stuff like, oh. Steph likes Angle. Yeah. And Blackman's just a tool. They're good expanding the universe a little bit, aren't they? He's using him as a lethal weapon. Hey. Anyway, more classic Foley. I say like Alan Partridge. Mankind versus Triple... No, I beg your pardon. Dude Love versus Triple H from SummerSlam 97. Come off the top with the elbow. That was great. Yeah. I enjoyed that match, actually. I, I watched it a couple oh, yeah. of years back for the first time. And I thought it was a really solid cage match. Oh, that feud was full of great matches, mm. uh, I think. 
It was King Room 97 as well was the there was the finals yes yeah. and it was Triple H and Mankind is it One Night Only I believe there the was a Stampede there was I think it was was it Cold Day in Hell where they started the show oh, with a brawl yeah, yeah. and then and then it just kept appearing throughout the night yeah which is great good pair yeah. Triple H Triple H and Mankind have great chemistry oh just you wait oh Anyway, backstage, Tori's getting Mountain Dew from the well-framed Mountain Dew machine. All it needed was Stephanie saying, hey, Tori, what are you doing? Tori going, I'm just getting a refreshing Mountain Dew. It's almost as big and as unmobile as Tori herself. Oh, you meanie. Stephanie McMahon apologises to Tori. And she she apologises for what she knows and what has heard about The Rock's deviant sexual nature. How he describes... Rock would love to do to Tory and just women in general. And the term violate is thrown around with much aplomb. And the same way that they basically teased Kane going after X. No, who was it? Oh, X Pac Tory. So Tory's quite clearly scarred from the, the weekend with X Pac. Tory has post traumatic stress yes. disorder. And Stephanie McMahon and Triple H continue to basically aggravate it yeah. during this show. Anytime they need Kane to do something, they go up to. Tori and yell, sex. And she goes, ah. <laughs> anyway. Attitude era. Anyway, Tori runs off. And Jeff Hardy is here with his mum. That's nice. And she'll be able to purchase for him because he's not legally old enough to buy it. Resident Evil 3. Yay! Yay. Did you play Resident Evil 3? No, it's one of the ones my friends had. And I played a bit of it. And I sucked at it. So I've not liked it that much of my life I'm looking forward to playing it properly when the remake comes out because Resident Evil 2 remake was sweet they nailed the second one the remake of the second one I was they nailed it like X-Pac and anyway Austin versus McMahon the VHS I'm surprised that came out during this period yeah it's um I thought they would be stepping away from referencing Austin as much as they could because I feel like every time they do it kind of gives the indication it just reminds you that Austin's not there hmm. Or maybe they wondered, we wondered, maybe they waited until Christmas time to show some more Austin stuff. Yeah, I mean, there is that as well. They have they have previews for that. Yeah. And The Hurricane, <coughs> a film with Denzel Washington. I don't remember this. I don't remember this at all either. And I haven't even Googled it. Well done, Matthew. Al Snow is here with his bad theme. Obviously, we're a big fan of that in this oh, show. I love his evil theme. Yeah. So good. If you don't know the evil theme, I don't know if people are listening to this, and if please let us know on the Twitter, Twitter tweets, on the Twitters, in the DMs, which you guys send to us, and we're very much appreciative of. If you are, can you just let us know? Are you all listening to this because you've watched SmackDown before and you've seen these episodes and maybe remembered about it, or have you never seen SmackDown? The people yeah. listening to this who are just like, I can't be asked watching all that wrestling. Well, I've definitely no podcast my way home. Or at the I know a few people who listen just because they just quite like listen to us having a chat. Oh, that's nice. and, and the Smackdown thing is just basically the, 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 the linchpin of the reason for us having a channel. Which I think it's quite cute. After not knowing what the hurricane is, I'm sure they're all unsubscribing now. Very upset. But if you, if you are listening to this and you haven't seen this period, go find Al Snow's theme. Oh, and you have to so type good. in like second or heel or whatever in the YouTube Complete video. with Hypnotoad-esque mm. video. Mm. Which was the... Uh, which, oh, actually, it's, a bit, it's mm. actually... It's very Dan Housen, actually. Yeah. It's very much what Dan Housen's doing now. But at this point, you think he could have gone back to the good theme and goes, what does everybody want? He goes, Mick. Oh! And he just goes, but he isn't here. Nah, nah, nah. Anyway, Al Snow 
is wrestling Jeff Hardy in a singles match because Matt Hardy is still legit injured after taking the horrible swanton <coughs> from last week's Raw. Yeah, so we, got, Raw. so we got his head smashed basically a week or so ago on Raw and he's taking some time out of the ring to recoup from it. Mm. So he's not in a great way. Yeah, and it's a good story going to this. Alison has been sent by Triple H to take out Jeff Hardy because he's a tag wrestler. We can't have any of those tag wrestlers in uh, the same company's New Age Outlaws. Don't oh, be down. heaven for fans. No. Sadly, there's giant Terry Runnels chance uh, during this match. <coughs> Even when Jeff Hardy's hitting crazy stuff, he does a big old swan on, hits his springboard moonsault off the apron onto Al Snow. They're working hard tonight. Uh, Al Snow beats him up a lot. Jeff lands a giant tope. But after having his leg worked over by Al Snow, tries the guardrail thing again and just can't get the momentum and falls backwards, which is still a hell of a bump. Yeah! God! Um, so Al Snow goes, well, I can work hard too. Gets a chair and goes for a chair moonsault. That's a bit of an Al Snow classic, though, the old yeah. chair moonsault. I do like it. I associate this move with uh, Spider Nate Webb, who made it a trademark for years, you know, chairs and ladders and everything. I didn't realise Al Snow was the guy that did this in 99. But he's able to recover, work over his legs some more, and also hits a wicked powerbomb over his head, like what was Tori's finisher in the SmackDown games. But he ne she never did it anywhere near as good. Gets him for the powerbomb, instead of going down, goes over his head and he blackjacks out. The old alley up. Yeah, alley, that's that's the one, yes. Big Show did it for a while as a finisher. Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. And uh, it just for some reason, when Big Show did it, it looked crap. I think because he would shout, alley up, as he did it. I was like, it's... That's what he shouted? That I'm... <laughs> this might be Mandela thing, but... Um, I seem to remember Big Show shouting Alley Up as he did the Alley Up. Alley Up! Alley Up! Coco. Please tell me if I'm wrong. But I seem to remember that happening and it just looked crap. The cock going, what? Because that's what you say when you put did your you kid on your shoulders. Alley Up! He might as well have shouted, Wee. <laughs> I wish he did. Anyway, Al Snow remembers that big bonus he's been promised. He takes out Jeff, so he goes to pilmanize Jeff. You don't know that term. Ah, I got pilmanize written down as well. He puts the chair around. Jeff's leg goes to the top rope to give a stomp or something while referee's going no no you can't do it you mad get Matt Hardy returns to action after two weeks chair shots out he falls off the top rope and Jeff Hardy gets the pin lol snow god working hard against mm. opponent can take all the bumps he gives him so this was a good little match yeah I enjoyed it a bit more classic McFoley mm. it's King of the Ring 98 have another show Something about falling off a cage or something. Oh, did he? A couple of times. Was he all right? Uh, he was not a well boy at all. Oh, that's a shame. The story goes, if you don't know, the first fall off the cage, planned. Mick Foley talks about it extensively in his book, about how he felt going over it and all that, and how he landed, and he thought, that's great, that's the last, that's the last to it. The second fall through the cage, not planned. What? No, it was. No, wasn't planned. Yeah, it was. It was meant to be just a choke slam through the top. On the top of the on top of the cell. I didn't realise I from what I understood. Wait, 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 wait. I've been watching wrestling for some time and have read this and all this. Oh really? I thought it was. Thought it was. Wait a minute, what? I don't think the second one was planned. I don't think he was meant to go through. No, but like they literally nearly go <laughs> the start off the, the very, very second... quick bit. The very quick bit at the start of the match, where they're on top, <coughs> they nearly go through it there, because that's the fake bit. Oh, the rest of them are right with that. That 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 was definitely planned. What wasn't planned was the chair being right next to him. So when he fell down, the chair came down as well, landed on him, and that knocked him out. 
Right, so the chair bit wasn't the bit that yeah. was planned. Right. I've been saying this for years and I've not checked it for a while. I assume I'm right. I mean, if... No, wait a minute. I read his book. Didn't he say that? I'm just checking now. We're loading this up now. I, I feel good at if I'm... I've been wrong all this time for decades. The cell was not supposed to give way with the choke slam. He was supposed... What? He was supposed to land flat on his back on the roof. And somehow they were going to work back down to the floor and carry the match from there. However, it didn't quite work out as that, as we now know, and he went straight through. If you remember, Terry Funk gets in Taker's face and Taker chokeslams him. This was ad-libbed to give Foley some time to get his bearings and come to. He says, he says once the fog cleared, he saw a shoe in the ring and wondered how it got there. It was Terry's that came flying off when he was chokeslammed. Oh. So, um... Wow. That comes from Reddit. That's really bad. But wait a minute, there's literally that Mick Foley special we talked about. I'll have to rewatch that then. People um, going, Matthew, are you that stupid? That's all I'm going to hear. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, They're all about Bob Mould's writing experience in WCW, but I can't say one of the most famous matches in American wrestling history. Hardcore Hollies. Bro. Moolah and May out oh. with their boyfriends. Wait. Oh, I, I remember Mark Henry being like... <coughs> Just turn to the ways of our old sex. Harvey Whippleman has yeah. fallen for Moolah. Do you not remember this? No, Whippleman. Not planned. <laughs> Harvey was meant to go <laughs> through the cell, but instead dated Moolah. No, he went through the cell and landed on Moolah. Landed on Moolah. Harvey's always had a weird female kink. Bertha oh. Faye, dated for ages. Sid Vicious. And then when he... Sid Vicious dated him for ages. When he ran out of women he fancied, he just dressed as a woman himself. There needs to be a Harvey Whippleman WWE documentary. <laughs> there, is a, there is stories there. So, uh, Christ. Anyway. These four coming into your branch of uh, Shoney's <laughs> would turn heads. The National House of Sex. Uh, Moolah and Young have been fired before, says Lola, when they're working on the pyramids. Oh, jeez. Oh, sorry, I missed that one bit there. Yeah, if they don't wrestle the Hollies, they're fired. Probably would have been better if I'd said that right. Lola says, is it me or does Moolah have a trucker's tan? Cole is struggling to get through this, like how Tom is get, trying to get through this episode of the oh, podcast. Oh, jeez. Lola says, sometimes I see what Henry sees in her. Maybe it's that tattoo on a forearm. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> the last double date these two had. With spread Flintstone and Barney Rubble? Oh, jeez. Hardcore <laughs> beats them both up the bees. I feel like the only prep Lawler does is for any segment involving Mae Young and Moolah. Everything yeah. else <laughs> he can't be arsed with. Because the Mil Milton World joke book, he's like, right, here we go. Because the old section's like, here we go. Oh, jeez. Moolah and Young are old. He's waiting for Carl to go, how old are they? <laughs> when they were caught in the Dead Sea, was just sick. Ha, ha, ha. beats them up. So Crash Holly gets the pin in. He gets, gets the tag in. Jesus. Crash Holly gets the tag in and gets schooled by Moulard Young. They tag in the ring, Lucha style. As Lola laughs some more. Lucha style. Was, was that a legal tag? And they go, yeah, whatever. Just carry on. Because who's going to argue with them? Crash Holly takes them down with a, and I quote, a breaker hip toss. Oh my God. Moulard attempts... Moolah recovers and attempts the Bronco Buster. Oh, God, this Bronco Buster. <laughs> so, he's down in the corner. May gets a good sprint across the ring. Chugga, 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 chugga. But, be bless her, she's old. So her depth perception is <laughs> off. 
So she thinks she lands on Holly, but she actually lands on fresh air. And then she has to sort of weirdly scooch forward to get in position. But it doesn't matter because by this point, the crowd have popped and everybody's laughing. Even Michael Cole, the, the man of stone himself, kind of crack up. He's like, no, I knew it was all Bronco and near bust. And then to make it even funnier, as soon as she manages it and succeeds, she's like, yeah, I got it. Hardcore crew to the close line. Just straight away. And crash slams her for the win. Then Henry gets beat up and attacked by the Hollies. So Harvey Witherman gets in the ring, removes his shirt, crowd gun Raj, and uh, takes the atomic drop. Crowd pop for Harvey. Five stars. What a, what a man. Any match where Harvey Whipple gets a pop, like, got five stars by default. You look at all the players in that match, oh. and it's Harvey that gets the, the final hope spot. That's the bit that always gets me. You can tell Richmond, Virginia's been... There's been a drought. <laughs> Deprived. Last time they saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, he was, wasn't he managing... Who did he manage other than Sid? Adam Bomb. That must be it, then. Um... He must have managed others. Do you know who Kamala for a bit with Kim Chi? Yes, he that. did, yes. Yeah. He was the spokesman for Kamala and Kim Chi. That's right. Kamala, the only... I was going to say the only guy whose manager had a manager, but no, Cornette was Yokozuna's manager because Mr. Fuji was supposed to be his representative. <laughs> He's like, ah, Pearl Harbor, every three seconds. The, yeah, the, and even Cornette was like, it's a bit outdated and offensive, mate. Um, if, if Cornette's saying it... Yeah. Jeez. 94. That's, that's a thing. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Backstage, Michael Hayes. 
is waiting outside the Rocks dressing room. Clearly labelled with the sticker saying Rocks dressing room. So who knows? Might be the DX. Yeah, we've really played this up. game before and lost. But he's outside saying, well, so far the Rock has refused to comment about the Tory accusations. And Tory shows up to say, oh, well, I believe them. Rock hears all this hubaloo happening outside of his thing, opens the door to reply, and Tory reacts like a, a, a Dracula seeing va- uh, garlic. God, Matthew, you mush mouth. Ah, ah, a Dracula. A Dracula. A Dracula. Look out. Here comes a Dracula. It's one of them Draculas. She reacts like, you know that video. Like Matthew looking at stuff you, he's written down. You know that video of like that Grinch-like creature doing Lamar's. Lamar's. What? what have you just said? Lamar's. The thing that they do when women are pregnant and they're kind of sat like yoga-type positions learning breathing routines. I see. There's a meme, which is women in a Lamar's class and there's like a, like a guy, looks like the Grinch, like a big green outfit. And uh, he's getting into position, and they just say, okay, and breathe out. And you just suddenly hear this creature go, yeah! And it just reminds me of Tori seeing the rock and just going, like recoiling. It's so bad that, and and this is why, this is why I often, I fear that one day, me and thee will get cancelled for talking about these episodes of SmackDown because some of the stuff they they deal with so badly and it's so tone deaf. Like, I feel weird insulting it. I even just then making that joke. The story here, the story here is a woman called Crazy Tory, which commentators have called her, she has post-traumatic stress disorder. And everybody basically goes out of their way to stress her out. And that's the shtick. So, like, she's wandering around. She's not well. She's just wandering around backstage. And everyone's going, hey, The Rock wants to violate you. How do you feel? <laughs> oh, crazy Tory. Crazy Tory. She's got PTSD. Yes. Sorry to the, all the earphone users out there as well for those noises. Tory sees The Rock and reacts like Vince McMahon spotting union discussions. Should have gone with that. A Dracula. And she runs off and Rock looks at Hayes and goes, what did you do? Anyway, well, it's Hayes, in it? It could have been anything. Cactus Jack returns in 1997 at Madison Square Garden. All three faces appear thanks to green screen. Oh, I love this because it's a bit ropey but a bit good. Yeah. I think it looks cracking for 97. Mm. And considering we had to get the timing right and everything, yeah, it worked really well. And we get a little nod from the commentators saying, oh, there was nobody crazier than Cactus Jack. Anyway, here we are at the SmackDown show. It's like, it's such... We, we mentioned earlier how bad Vince is at subtlety, but this was nice. Mm. A little, like, in amongst all this, because this... This and then another line later on in a sit-down interview with Foley is the whole purpose of this. Oh, absolutely, yeah. This is and, in somewhere. And they're just scattered in, which I love. I love the subtlety of this. Because mm. what we're building to is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. and speaking of which, we get a recap of what we've just seen with The Rock and Tori. And Cole says, and I quote, Tori's strange behaviour continues. Post-traumatic Are you not watching disorder. the show? They're going around going, Rock, Rock, Rock's going to get you. And she's panicking. You saw the rock. You're like, a crazy woman. Oh, what's, what's her problem? What's her beef? She should be thankful the rock thinks horrible <coughs> thoughts about her. 
<clears throat> What's her problem, weirdo? Yeah. God. Anyway, tone deaf. Kane versus Sex Pest is up next. <laughs> Crowd goes bananas during the whole opening bit here with The Rock and Kane going at it. Rock batters Kane, but Kane does a rock, no sells everything. They brought the entrance ramp because there's no holes barred. And Kane gets sent off the entrance and through a table. That and some amazing. I wasn't expecting that in this episode. Nah, it looked great. Crowd, again, going absolutely crazy. And then Rock gets sent through a table via chokeslam. Crowd at the, if you put this crowd level in audacity, you'd be at the max level. And mm. uh, Tori tries to get the chair from Rock when they return back to the ring. But some stuff happens and Kane accidentally clones lines Tori down. God, even he was sick of it. Uh, this allows Rock to chair shot Kane and give him the rock bottom on the chair to give Kane the loss. Yeah. Kane is... A, a, Kane has basically replaced Test at this point. We were insulting I Test. to accept this horrible assessment. Test was a love-struck loser who just who was incredibly gullible. Are you telling me that Kane is not a love-struck loser that's incredibly gullible? No... I agree with that point. It's mm. just a completely different. Yeah. Kane has a black and red mask. Test has a face mask for his nose. And Kane is blatantly a Sega Saturn guy. <laughs> Steph! Oh, no. Tori! Yeah, there we go. Why is Clockwork Night so short? Wow. Because. Don't tell me it was a release title. <laughs> because. I'm well aware of the facts. Tori, I keep losing the race to Sonic in Bug. So you just know all the release date. <clears throat> what a ref, I'm happy with that. God, you threw me for one there. Tori, <laughs> Daytona appears, ah! appears to be rushed for the... Re- <laughs> it's nowhere near as good as the arcade version where you sat in the cabinet. do 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 Tori's just in the corner screaming. Like, The Rock's trying to kill me or do something to me. Tori! What? I don't know how to play Nights into Dreams. I think Sonic Team dropped the ball. Many will see it as an artistic triumph, but it really lacks in gameplay when you really think about it. Tori! I was promised there would be a Sonic game for the Saturn. Instead, I have Sonic Jam, which is a compilation disc. Also, but it has 3D bits that are quite good. I like it. It was a good two minutes of my life. Tori, why does Sonic Extreme keep getting delayed? <laughs> you even know about that. Wow. Damn right, you mate. Snake in the grass. I bloody love Sonic. I loved, love reading about it going, can't wait to play this. Yeah. Spoiler, never did. Alright. Went through development hell that game did. I think like speaking of development hell we should move on. Classic Mick Foley. Mick Foley introduces Mr. Socko in a a lovely example of a throwaway bit that turned into a legacy. It's pretty much what this podcast is. (laughs) (laughs) Throwaway bits that become a legacy. Yeah. And we get the dramatic recap of Rock Foley match and to kill some time and we get a as you'll see later on uh, this bit of Smackdown I think they cut too much out or were waiting for more stuff to happen we got a lot of filler coming up yeah but before then sit down interview 
the serious one with Mick. And it's a funny bit where he explains, he's explained to his daughter that one day he'll have to stop wrestling. And we told his daughter this, he says, but daddy, then we'll starve and die. Once he ex explained compound interest <laughs> and savings, she was okay with retiring. That was nice. Foley then mentions, and I hope you're there at home going, this is an important plot point, that he would have loved to have main evented WrestleMania, but oh well, eh? Oh well. Power Slam scribbles angrily away. And he says he doesn't have any issues with The Rock. He was just a guy having to be in that match that was booked. And... He also mentions um, some of his favourite moments, one yeah. of which was yanking a guy out of a peep show room. Yeah, he loved the peep show bit. And he kind of throwaway mentions, ah, oh, the return of Cactus Jack at Madison Square Garden. You know, loads of other things as well. Just throwing that in there. Mm. Love it. You're telling us, but you're not telling us. Yeah. So happy. I love this. That's a lovely bit. And it's done seriously. Jim Ross, again, making his obligated appearance on SmackDown for some reason. I feel like had this happened in 2020, it would have been very different because it would not It would have been less subtle nods about Cactus Jack. They would have had, like, Mick Foley tweeting, like, I am already elite... Yeah, at right. playing cards. Wrestling was my thing. Like, oh! Sorry to spoil the surprise. I kept the shot returning at Saudi Arabia, but, you know, he was DLC in the last 2K game. And he didn't have um, whatever. Yeah. And, again, it's one of the reasons why it's really cool to go back and watch this stuff. Because, yeah, the wrestling matches uh, inconsistent. I'd be great this week. But the storytelling and the way they're doing stuff's really cool. Oh, yeah. Like, Oh, law. absolutely. L-O-R-E law. It's really good. There not, is not that Canadian law you were talking about earlier. This is the beginning of this 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 whole night. Births something that I believe happens, is it next week or the week after? I'm not saying anything. <gasps> One of my favourite bits of SmackDown yeah. history coming up. I'm so excited to talk about it. Well, let's titillate the audience oh, for a bit and move on to reality. I am titillated. X-Pac and Triple H are seen watching the Mick Foley interview. X-Pac laughs, which really insists it's not funny. He should have no sympathy for Foley or Big Show tonight, who X-Pac is wrestling. And he says he'll fire X-Pac if he doesn't beat Big Show. And <gasps> is very confused, going, wait, wait, you, you doing this to me? Oh, okay, fine then. And just Dissension out. in DX? Surely not! It's almost weird, like, Christ! Do you think Triple H is being angry with Xbox? He's laughing at him. It's like, no, it's a serious triumph. I got rid of him. And I'm going to have sex with... Not the nod, carry on. And here we have China and Jericho's feud getting recapped. Again, must be running short on time. The cat has her slave shirt. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, that uh, was a thing we experienced at a young age. Uh, <laughs> China finally explains why she's been helping Jericho every week retain Jericho's IC title, considering China lost the title to him. Finally comes out and says it. Uh, she's been waiting for her thumb to heal up. And he's been wanting him to remain champion so she could beat him for it. So come on, Jericho. I'm going to beat you for it. Jericho mad that she'd lie. And said, like, Jericho doesn't want to save... What? China doesn't want to save Jericho or help him. She has a crush on Jericho. And he doesn't want her. Meh. So what I have... liked about the um, the big reveal of China's master plan. Where China says, I was as you, as you said, just to paraphrase what you said, I was helping you whilst my thumb was healing. She says, the thumb is all healed. Let's find out who the true champion is. And you know what I heard? The moment she said that, did you did you hear 
did you hear what the, did you hear what happened after after she said that no you heard nothing because oh. the crowd didn't give a stuff she did this big exposition even left even left a pause my thumbs all healed nothing China's China's dead in the water it doesn't help really that is they haven't mentioned the thumb I'm they, like I'm healed I'm like oh you've been hitting people left and right I didn't realise you were like her but even so like and you beat up Tory last week no thank God Ivory there was a distinct lack of any love from the crowd the Jericho China thing's over Mm. Oh, sorry. No, not over. But, Sadly not. Yeah, China versus Jericho for the title. China's forearms. Oh god. <laughs> and they are a thing. With the multiple backflips in the corner, ain't enough to stop Jericho, who get the springboard drop kick on China, knock her off the apron, but the cat distracts. Jericho able to recover and hits a ugly looking line soul. Not sure what happened here, but China in the wrong position entirely in all legs and knees, bless her. Sure, he had a thorough scene to um, spinning heel kicks and China into referee. And Jogo gets a chair, is the important bits. China gets the pedigree. I'm unsure why she's still using that when she's she's gotten rid of everything else, got a new engine steam, and she doesn't come out with whatever. Uh, it's like her job squad with Al Snow. It's like, Basically. You still doing that? Oh, okay. <laughs> Second ref comes in, Jogo kicks out, Jogo hits a back suplex. The only type of back suplex you see when there's a screw finish coming up. With two referees in the ring, and both wrestlers set of shoulders down. I think I'm saying this in plain English. Both referees count at the same time, and both referees argue about who won. Ah. Yes. You know what? We're being too positive on the show. Being too much good stuff happening, too many good angles. It's about time we had something crap. Let's get some bobbins in there, and here it is. The yeah. co-champion debacle begins. Nothing is mentioned. It's just like, oh, about what the official decision is, so I guess I'll have to wait until next week. You lucky, lucky sods. <laughs> this doesn't go anywhere good. No. This is... Uh, I don't know whether this is just done to add a new wrinkle to the storyline, to try and literally... Like, to, it just puts it on life support, really. Yeah, it was done. But it's okay. We have one more person to factor into Yay. this into this storyline. And it's coming up soon. The one person that could save it. He is quite literally a man for all seasons. And we'll get to him very soon. He does a good drop. <coughs> Classic Mick Foley, who never won the IC title. And it's The Rock and Sock beating Big Show and Undertaker after Undertaker walked off at the idea of taking a bump. And they won the tag titles this year. Jesus, can you keep track of who the tag title tag titles, tag champions were this year? Because they, I don't think we could, and we watched all the episodes from when did we start? It was the pay per view after Full Loaded, I believe. Okay, no, it wasn't. I'm gonna try. Yes, see, see I my brain is better at remembering remembering wrestling from this era than it is of like the last five years. True, but so off the top of my head, so you know I've got nothing in front of me. We start off with this one. Big Show and Undertaker are the tag champs. Rock and Sock win them. Big Show, Undertaker, Rock and Sock. Back to Big Show and Undertaker. No, I don't think that's right. Was it the Hollies? I thought it went back to Big Show and Undertaker. No, it wasn't the Hollies. Back, the back Hollies to Rock the and Sock. Then the Hollies. Then um, back to Rock and Sock. 
because they lost them just before the pay-per-view so the match they had with New Age Outlaws became yeah. a non-title or the match they had became a non-title so back to Rock and Sock New Age Outlaws New Age Outlaws oh, got them now I think that's right something like that no <laughs> Al Snow and Mankind beat the Hollies we missed a flipping yeah. thing didn't we then New Age Outlaws beat Snow and Mankind. Yeah, Snow and Mankind. There we I go. think that's right. It was. It's a big match this year, but okay, it was half because. Oh, we mean Undertaker, Austin, in. What do you mean? Nobody is there ever. In Shamrock, everybody else is left. And uh, Acolytes were in a big match on Raw. And I say big matches. Lots of tag teams involved, but the important bit was the Mean Street Posse with the announcers, referee, timekeeper, etc. Mean Street Posse are out. Yeah. Where's Bulldog? So it's. I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna say it until either you or Dave Meltzer tell me. He's Where's Bulldog? He's on an episode of WWF Metal coming to you soon. I hope he is. So we're gonna do the Cultaholic Classic. Oh, we're gonna do the oh, Cultaholic Classic Metal review, oh, just so I can find him. Yes, distinct lack of yeah. our boy, the British Bulldog again. Anyway, it's the Acolytes versus the Dudleys with uh, Mystery Posse watching. And the Dudley's officially gone from tie-dye to camo. This episode of SmackDown. Yeah, this is a start of their like yeah. shiny new look. Yeah, and I thought it was funny because this is something that New Jack took issues with. Because it's, oh, suddenly, in two weeks, you had the intro and camo. Basically saying, you ripped them off. They ripped him off, sorry. Because that's, you know... Because New Jack owns the right to music that has a has a bomb dropping at the start. And camo, yeah. And the Dudley's response was, all right, well, tell Vince McMahon that he ripped you off because he's the one who told us to wear these, all right? <laughs> anyway, it doesn't last long as a match because it's actually a singles match, but everyone gets it, runs in, does interference. And then the Main Street Posse join in with the two-by-fours. I think the only weapon that you're allowed to use against the Acolytes. And then, are you ready, Tom? Oh, mate! Yeah, I know what you're going to Rodney hits his finisher. It's the buff blockbuster with the other guys holding him. And Michael Cole says, he calls this the High Society. Yes, he does! Wow. Yes, he does. I love it. And Tom, can you tell us the names of the other finishers? I can indeed, mate. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Right. Um... Joey Abs, I believe Joey Abs has the Abs Plex, but I might be wrong on that. I can't Abs remember. Plex. I might be wrong. I, be. I can definitely tell you that Pete Gas has. He do, I, do, I can't remember if he does it on here or not. Where he puts his hands over the face of the opponent, like a inverted uh, full Nelson, and picks them up and drops them, face plant style, and it's called the Gas Mask. There we go. Yeah, they they wrote the name down first, then... That, that is how I come up with every great radio idea. I start no. with a feature name, and we work backwards. But amazing to see this. Yeah, the high society. It's worth watching this episode of SmackDown just to see that high Press society. Press F for Buff Burkwell. Getting his finisher ripped off by Rodney. I do love it when WCW finishers just end up being either crap wrestlers finishers or... Or mid-card transition moves. Right. Hello, Billy Gunn yeah, doing hello, the jackhammer <laughs> as a transitional and the move. And the stinger splash. And the stinger splash. Yeah. I love it. 
Anyway, the Dudes vs. Acolytes feud will never end. Excellent. I don't want it to ever end. Can we get more classic Foley? This is your life. The segment that was watched by approximately half the planet. Uh, I forgot. How do you think of amount of times I've seen this? Here's your uh, high school coach, whatever his name, Jimmy Coachman. <laughs> and they play, I'll be your hero. The Louis yes! Yes! They I told you I had a dream one time. Any excuse? No. I had a dream one time that I was uh, at a karaoke place. And I don't know if I was to be with there or not, but obviously I'd listen to it too much. And that that was the song I, we all did. But like, it was like, duh, duh, I'll be your hero. And everyone in the bar was like, oh, they're all Luger fans. Don't join in. And then the camera pans up to the sky where like a silhouette Alex Luger just nods, nods down at you. Like, it's like, everyone does that viral, well, semi-viral clip where it's a crowd reacts to, you know, a card is pants or whatever. Mm. And it's like that. It's like that. Like, that, the beat drops. I'll be on you, Throwing their drinks up in the air. Like, finally, we get to sing this. That's the song. That's the song. I love that. But no, I, I, I had forgotten they used that in this. Yeah. But it was wonderful good, to see. Good nod. And then more classic Foley. Uh, J.E. Salinger. Charles Dickens. Mick Foley, number one best-selling New York Times author. Yeah, that was a nice moment, and this was only a few months ago. He goes, oh, yeah, by the way, from Start Wrestling, I'd just like to mention that, you know, I'm number one best-sellers list card. Yeah, he goes, and the fact that none of the critics would dare review it because a dirty, stinging wrestler couldn't possibly write anything, which means they didn't give me any press. It's all you cool fans who went out and bought it. Thank you. It's I, like... This time yeah. in wrestling is fascinating because it is so on the mouth and on the lips of pop culture. Yeah. Yet, yet it, there is a snobbery attached to it. So, like so many high-end publications, don't want to talk about the wrestling because it's the wrestling. It's all mm -hmm. that fake stuff. But you, the, the it, it is so there is such a groundswell, particularly for WWF, that it simply its popularity cannot be denied, and the popularity isn't being pushed on mainstream press because nobody wants to be associated with it. Like any channels that are, kind of have that sort of tug-in-cheekness about it. I remember watching Sky Sports, and they were um, it was a, it was like a it was Soccer Saturday, and they would say, "Oh, come up later on." all this stuff and a repeat of WWF Raw that's uh, your favourite programme isn't it Martin and Martin the other presenters going no 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 it's not no it's not like even then like on your own channel yeah. like you, you you're taking yeah, them you're taking the piss and it's like there is there is this 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 real groundswell of support that even through like mm. Mick Foley's book as you said it's a great example nobody wanted to review it but it couldn't be denied it's yeah. amazing. What an amazing time to be a wrestling fan where you're both welcomed and pushed out of society at the same time. Yeah. It's incredible. And it also helps us, like, the guy that springboards all these other people to write these books. Foley's book was great. Yes, Had a hell of a lot to was. talk about. Being everywhere, doing everything, stuff in Japan, SMW and everything else. It was like, wow. Well, it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't going to be good. Because uh, this was when... WWF were just saying, hey, let's write all the autobiographies of all our top guys. So they hired a lot of ghostwriters right. to, to get the stories out of the wrestlers. This is what China's was like, The Rocks was like it. And then when the ghostwriter started writing Mick Foley's book, Foley listened, watched, oh, read some of it back and went, I don't like it. I'm going to write my own. And, and he had to fight a little bit to mm. be able to write his own book. But he did, and it was the best one out of all of them. Yeah. I remember reading it as a kid though, and the, the first sentence after the four word introduction is 
Can't believe I lost my effing ear. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, okay. This so, is a cool book. Became my favorite wrestler. Just listen, listen, just reading that and going, oh, I know so much about him. I think it actually goes well with this angle that they're doing now. Couldn't have come at a better time. These oh, two yeah. Things. Got tissue in your chin. Thank you, mate. <laughs> uh, DX sans Triple H are backstage moaning about Triple H abusing his power. God is like, I can't believe Triple H would abuse his power. It's fine we does it to others, but not us. Dissension in DX. And just to show that we are really uh, bring out stuff on the show, the Brood music plays, and it's Gangrel and Luna. Oh, I love this. I forgot they had an entrance together for yeah. a while. And it's the first SmackDown showing these two together. I believe they've been together as a pair for years in real life. So that's why they pair sometimes like an ECW 95. But it's the first SmackDown on TV where they're there together. Mm. And they're taking on Viscera and Jackie in a mixed tag match. That famous How the tag hell team. are Viss and Jackie teaming up? What have they got in common? Oh, right. They both started in Memphis. They did, yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Luna versus Jackie gets uh, it's been nice mixed results to start off with I'll leave it there because I like both of them crowd is wondering why Sunday Night Heat has taken over Smackdown like the Nexus in 2010 <laughs> Luna tries to choke Viscera but he has to wait for her to try it again properly so he can slam her <laughs> right in front of Gangrel watching and staring and after he slams her then Gangrel makes a save and by save I mean Gangrel has to watch his Viscera <coughs> That was unreal awkwardness, that was. I don't know who who buggered that up. Was it Luna or was it Viss? Or was it just a combination of the two? These people are not on the same page at all. As if it wasn't a big enough mess. Here's BB with the pop of the night. Um, And Michael Cole admonishing Viscera for slamming her. But it was clearly an intergender tag match. And the referee did nothing to stop any of the interaction between the men and the women. Uh, This sucked. (laughs) This was bad. I love, like, these guys as much. This was just, like, what, what are you doing? Have you wandered into the wrong room? And after three segments showing Michael Hayes waiting for The Rock to leave his room, Rock comes out and just walks away from Michael until Hayes yells, hey, how do you feel about getting Mick Foley fired? And Rock turns dramatically at the end of the hall. And you're like, uh-oh. Like shark-smelling blood. Weirdly, Michael Cole started over-commentating here. Oh. Well, The Rock has stopped. Well, the rock's walking back now. Like we can see. Nah. Why are you? St- why are you suddenly going into like oversell mode? Like why have you come Mike today in TNA? The rock is walking, <laughs> and he explains, "Hey, he just did what he had to do to compete. He respects Foley. He ain't happy about losing uh, him losing his job." Of no, he talked about Kane and Big Red Retard is censored, so it's clearly a no-no now. Mm-hmm. They've realised that saying that might be uh, a bit on the nose. Sorry, test. And 1-800-COLLECT. That's right, 1-800-COLLECT. Mick Foley helps Big Show retain against Triple H. Oh, no, wait, wait. Retains against Triple H on Raw. It's a reason for Triple H going, how dare you? I'm going to sort you out. Uh, Triple H probably wouldn't be champion if he was wearing lugs. So I think that's out the picture. And we are back to 1-800-COLLECT, which also sponsors the Royal Rumble. Can we go back and talk about this Hayes and Rock thing again? Oh, sure. That's because I was going to, sorry, I was going to interject there. And like just because, just like a Michael Cole. Yeah, so the rock goes back, the retard bit gets thing. But this, what I love about this is the rock who has just been the epitome of, of just cool, like Orange Cassidy-esque dilly gaff for a long time. And it was the sacking of Mick Foley 
this guy who, like, he never cracked on Foley. Like, when mm. they were a team, he never sort of... Well, he, if he did, the, the veneer fell very light, very slightly. And this was, this was a passionate, emotional rock, which we haven't seen till this point, to the point where he grabs Michael Hayes and is throttling him. Because Michael Hayes has, has said, like, oh, I just feel like it's getting Mick Foley sacked. And you can tell this is a really angry rock. And this segment leads into what happens on Raw on Monday. Like, this is the final straw. The Rock, who has genuinely tried to keep his cool throughout the whole thing, and now is at a point where enough's enough. Like, I can't just be on the periphery any longer. I just, someone needs to take a stand. You've just sacked Mick Foley. You forced my hand to get rid of somebody who I team with. One of The Rock's friends. First him as a friend. And this, this changes... The, the the even only briefly it changes the modus operandi of the rock and I really like this because the tide turns a little bit here and it leads into a belter of a segment on Raw mm. Monday. And it's great because it's a classic gay semi relationship with the mm. very proud, almost angry, stone person and the crazy stupid gay lover. Mm. Yeah, it is. It I is. I never thought about it until watching it back. I go, oh, that's a that's a classic. It is an absolute classic, and it's rare to see the veneer drop in the rock. And I like that we yeah. now finally see the veneer drop a little bit. The Rock loves man. Well, loves one man. That's mankind. Yes. <laughs> X-Pac versus Big Show was our main event. <laughs> no, really. Triple H and Stephanie come to watch while, while on their recliner that they bring to the... I love that. <coughs> and it's, Cole even brings up the recliner and goes, that's a recliner we've seen backstage. I'm like, yeah, all right, Cole, to chair. What's the recliner doing in the impact zone? But it's a great image of them just like, yeah. Like Shao Kahn watching the fighters in Mortal Kombat in the background. So, Big Show, surprisingly, destroys X-Pac for a bit. And that's not very good for him because he's uh, comes out to less pop than Iron Brew left out in the sun. <laughs> Luckily, X-Pac uh, no, sells and people are like, all right, right. Then Triple H announces it's a handicap match. And here what? Dun-dun-dun. Here comes Rodeon. <coughs> Neither men are able to pin him, even when both pinned him at once. And now the pops of show are coming because he's destroying them and it's a handicap. So I think those are two things go well together with Big Show or anything like that. Before it gets the slam on both of them at the same time, Trevage announces that there's another partner and here the ass man cometh. <laughs> they get the advantage and they're actually able to beat Big Show down. So Trevage announces the fourth dude, me. He strips. Ooh. And his knee injury is clear as day. Said this last time that Triple H reason why they're doing stuff like this. All the shenanigans is Triple H's knee. Yeah, he's blown his knee out, and, and the timing could not be worse because mm. it's uh, it's a time where there is so few other big stars. So they yeah. they very much they've they've dealt him very carefully. Like DX taking a lot of the bumps, and as you say here, it's very obvious that his uh, his knee is bad. Yeah, but it's uh, it's a good way of getting around it. It's still a dig. I want to work hard match. He's just watching from the fight. Yeah, that, it's it's a good. Working with what you've got. It's like when you look in the fridge and you've already got his eggs. Yeah, Alright, time for an omelette. Trade brains Big Show with a chair. And Show bleeds. Bleeds a lot. And Asman lands the famous on the chair. And there's a Bronco Buster. We cut to Stephanie watching while she's grinning maniacally. Mm. Fantastic image. And the pedigree. Right, does that? And Xbox gets the pin after all these finishes by kneeling on the Big Show and flexing. Amazing. Like a dick. Absolutely amazing. So, and then look. Lola very excited goes, Xbox wins! He keeps his job! <laughs> like really coming it up. Amazing. Fantastic. And I was gonna say, 
I've even written here, look at Tom. What was this? <gasps> wait, 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 wait. Here we go. Okay. We've almost got our chemistry. Okay. Right, cannon and ball. So Triple H earlier on threatened to fire X-Pac. If he didn't win. There was dissension within DX. That's right. By the end of the night, we can officially confirm. <gasps> Stepping over here. <clears throat> Tom walks away from ha, ha, ha. It was a setup all along. When we get the proper equipment back, we need that as one of the audio drops. I think it might become a t-shirt. <laughs> because, say it with us, Triple H, everybody is dumb except from me. Everybody's stupid except me. We'll get the call right and I'll be good. Triple H gets on the mic and with shows blood all over his fingers, says, hey, you either get your ass kicked and hands him up to Steph and she says, or you get your ass fired. Dun, dun, dun. First Raw of the Millennium on Monday. I wonder what will happen. Some good stuff. Mm. Well, that was a cracking episode of SmackDown. Yeah. What was something you remembered? From this episode, I I remember the main event. I remember as a kid, like, genuinely being irate with DX and how the big oh. show got worn down. Um, so I, I seem to remember that. And I remember thinking, oh, no, he's going to go crazy at them next time. And uh, we all know how it all turns out. So it's fine. What do you remember? The cat's slave shirt. <laughs> Get confused with that reading it in Doof magazine. Did that awaken something within you? I'm like, I didn't realise it did until I went back and goes, oh, that's where it started. Oh. And uh, moving on. <laughs> but apart from that, uh, I remember <laughs> Moolah Lauren Young. Get beaten by the Hollies. <laughs> was that a highlight for you? Absolutely. And what was something that you forgot? I forgot Don't about the, same one as me. On. the phenomenal foreshadowing oh. of Captain's Jack. That's a good the, one. It was, it was beautifully subtle. Mm. And to the point where, again, as a, as a kid watching this as a, as a fan, I, w I left that show aware of Captain's Jack, but n certainly not at the front of my mind. They placed Captain's Jack somewhere between the middle and the back. So at no point when I watched Foley getting a beating did I think Cactus Jack's coming back. Mm. At no point right. would I have ever thought that. Would I ever dream that would happen? And I love them for that bit of... As, what's nice is we start this episode joking about the fact that Vince McMahon has no concept of subtlety. This, seg this whole build suggests otherwise, which I quite like. Big fan of it. I think you know the guy. Get to it soon, we'll get to no, it soon, good. but until the next time. Oh no, the thing that I forgot, and I, we really should have ended on you, now think about it. I'll say Harvey Whippleman. Ah! The Hans Molman of WWF. <laughs> Harvey gets hit by football. No one knows it. Except half my life and some of the friends. Um, so. This has been a lovely podcast. Yeah, Thank you very much for enduring this time. Bless you. Oh, I'm fine. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not on death tour anymore. I was really worse last dead. week. Donate to my paper. He is at Matthew Gregg on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together. Don't forget to join us. Tory, be quiet. Love you. Bye. Wow, you
Dracula. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 